Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Yeah, they got swagger. All these guys, man, I'm just trying to feed off the energy that they bring in. Learn that it's really hard to win in the NFL. Just really, I appreciate the team. You know, they've all rallied behind me. I never had a doubt for a second that they all have my back. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Sponsored by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Justin Fields drives. Everything that we've been going through all year. And just really needing this win, man, to try to get these guys rally back up. And I really think that, you know, we can just stay together and the defense keep playing lights out like they did tonight, man. We can go get some more wins for sure. Now, here's Kevin Powell. It is a Bears victory Friday. It wasn't pretty, but it was a victory. 16-13 over the Panthers, who have all sorts of problems, but the Bears will take it. It increased their chances of having the top overall pick in the draft, according to ESPN Analytics. Uh, something like four, they have 43% chance now, top percentage in the league, to get that top overall pick. So that was something. Uh, Herb uh, Howard from the Bigs joining me once again on the WGN Radio Football Podcast, Episode 75. Herb, I appreciate you jumping on as always. Uh, I guess we could talk about the game a little bit. I, I think uh, that's probably, as long as Justin Fields stays healthy the rest of the way, going to be going to be it for Tyson Bajan. Went two and two over four games, and it's interesting because you know he had been pretty aggressive through those first three starts, and he was not aggressive against Carolina. I think when he goes back and looks at the tape, he's going to see some shots down the field that he didn't take, and even some that he did take that he probably shouldn't have. He wasn't very good, but before the game, I I thought the Bears would be just fine if he didn't turn the ball over, and he didn't, and he didn't take any sacks. Uh, So, look, it was was a win. It wasn't pretty, as just about everybody said in the locker room after the game, but what were some of the takeaways for you in that victory over Carolina? Yeah, I think you just look at the, the, the obviously the two things that that matter. Um, the Bears were able to beat the Carolina Carolina Panthers, like you said, that uh, improves uh, their chances of getting that number one pick. Obviously, they own the, the Carolina Panthers' twenty twenty four first round pick, and so the more losses that you can get the Panthers, the better for the Bears. And then the, the other thing that matters is is about Tyson Bajan. Anytime you have a backup, um, I remember talking about him once he won. Uh, the spot coming out of camp, and they decided to to move on from PJ Walker, even though they had invested a little bit of money in him. Um, was that I thought he would be a guy that if you know, God forbid, Justin Fields were to miss four weeks or so, he'd come in and go 500 and get you two and two. And he had an opportunity to do that, and he did that. He didn't play stellar ball. I mean, you know, they had 13 points against the Chargers, and you know, seven points. Um, uh, last week, but but I mean, he comes out and gets another win, and so I think that, you know, um, overall, you know, even though you talk about the turnovers that he had last week, he didn't do that yesterday, and so I think that you got a guy that you can build with going forward in terms of being a legitimate backup that you feel comfortable coming in with. I think you talk about a backup, 4-0 would be unrealistic to expect, 3-1 would be great, but I think you know, two and two is what you're really asking for, and he did that. And so, uh, those are two two really good outcomes for the Bears yesterday in terms of beating the Panthers, but also uh, Tyson Bajan going 500 in his four games. So, Fields ends up missing four games, which means they could have placed him on IR, which means they they thought he probably would have been back by this Carolina game. Do you think Justin Fields 
Just just from your observations, Herb, just from what we've heard, uh, could have played last night and for whatever reason didn't. Not not saying it was on Fields, but what, coaching decision, whatever it was. Do you think Fields could have played last well, night? I think I think it was probably a possibility that he could have played. But listen, we're not talking about a team who is in you know these must win situations in terms of you know uh, making a run for the playoffs or anything like that. And so I don't think there's it was worth it to kind of rush him back. Could he have played? Probably, but if you don't think he's you know as close to 100 percent as you can possibly be at this point in the NFL season, then why not let him miss this game on a short week and then he has you know 10 more days to get ready uh, to go out to Detroit and kind of regain his form, if you will. And so I thought it was the right decision, probably. I would, I, I, everybody would have loved to see him play yesterday. I certainly would have liked to see him play yesterday. But I definitely understand the decision to keep him out if he wasn't completely uh, ready to be himself on the field. You don't want to have him, you know, kind of re-injure it, uh, re-aggravate it in any kind of way, and then he's out more time because you still got to figure out for sure uh, definitively if he's the guy going forward. And I think seven games is, is just enough time for him to be able to uh, prove that. And I think if he misses, you know, if he would have missed another couple of weeks or whatever, then I don't know that you have enough time to, to fully evaluate him and say, okay, this is our guy going forward. We don't need to spend you know, any of that high-end draft capital on a quarterback. Yeah, they've got seven more games to evaluate Fields, get a better sense of what he is as a quarterback. And look, hopefully he can play, play well over the final couple months here of the season. Uh, I always said no matter what happened during the, the Bajan stretch here that you go back to Fields. I think he's earned it. I understand he right. doesn't have a lot of victories, right, with the Bears. But the dude's been battling on a bad team for the past couple of years. And he's taken a lot of shots. He's played behind a bad offensive line. Justin Fields, the ceiling is way higher than Tyson Bajan. I don't care what anybody mm-hmm. says. No like doubt. Fields no is doubt. physically way more gifted than Tyson Bajan. So, They've got seven games here to get a better sense of what Justin Fields is, and we'll see what the, the front office thinks of, of Fields as well. Um, do you think – and look, I'm, not the, I'm rarely the guy hollering and yelling for coaches to be fired. I'm, I'm, nor, I'm, just, I'm normally not that guy, Herb, just because there's a lot that goes into it. That being said, I do think that among everyone at Hallis Hall, players, coaches, front office, whatever, I don't think there's more pressure on any one person over the second half of the season that Matt Eberflus. Because if, if, it, yeah. if it continues to look bad, and they've had some really, really bad performances this season, I, I, I don't know how you keep them, keep them around for year three. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree with you a lot, and I think you can kind of sense some of that in Coach Eberflus last night after the game. He was kind of the lightest, most jovial version of himself that we've seen. I think that it's because he's still in a little bit of relief for having gone out and gotten a win snatching TV against a bad football team. That's the game you gotta win at home. And so especially with the you know, with the situation being what it is in terms of uh the the, the draft capital and so uh that was the game they had to win. I think he felt that and I think he felt very relieved for the fact that they were able to go out and, and get that win. They didn't perform all that great. It wasn't like they lit the world on fire but the defense play well. You know, he's always going to be uh, heavily involved with what's going on with the defense. And so I think that if the Bears can, you know, they got seven more games, they can find a way to walk away with a winning record, you know, over the course of these seven games. And I, I, I think that, you know, he may have earned himself another year and just ha- having the ability to kind of navigate through these stormy waters and all the outside noise. And if you can just show, hey, we're, we're turning this thing around and we're going the right way. One more, one more solid offseason and we should be uh, ready to compete. 
and make a, make a run into the playoffs. And so uh, he has an opportunity. Uh, obviously, it could go the other way as well. So if they, you know, they go two and five down the stretch or one and six down the stretch, then I think you could be certainly looking for uh, a new coach uh, come this offseason. So a lot of pressure on him uh, down the stretch of, this, of the second half of the season. And we'll see you know, how he handles it. I keep thinking, what, what is Kevin Warren thinking? I mean, it feels mm-hmm. like he is real leadership at Hallis Hall. It, it's, it, it just does, right? Like, this is a guy who has an impressive resume. It, it, he's, he's a no-nonsense type guy. At least it appears that way. So I keep yeah. going back. Like, what does Kevin Warren think about Matt Eberflus when he watches this? What does he think about Ryan Poles when he watches this? Because in classic Bears mm-hmm. fashion, they kind of do things backwards, right? It's not like Kevin Warren was hired and then he brought in all his own people. You know, so... I wonder. Yeah. I wonder what kind of. Um, I, I just wonder, like, where Kevin Warren is at with all of this. You know, like, I mean, I remember Week One against Green Bay, that clunker where the Bears were actually favored in that one. Kevin Warren yeah. was he was sitting in the press box, Herb, and mm-hmm. it was very, very clear how upset he was with the way the game was going. He he was not hiding his emotions. Um, you know, you could just tell he was very upset watching that game. And uh, it does feel like a different sort of leadership. I just wonder, like, where is Kevin Warren at? Because does he just want to bring in new people? How does he feel about polls? How does he feel about Matt Eberflus? And he he comes off think, as an extremely competitive guy, Herb. Yeah, I think he came in with an, with an open mind and just kind of wanted to see what was going on here. And, you know, we talked about, um, you know, how he interviewed everybody in the building, every single employee of the Bears. He wanted to get around to doing that and figuring out, you know, what works and what doesn't work. I think he had that kind of approach in terms of the football operations as well, just kind of see how things are and give everybody a fair chance. And I think there's been a lot to be upset about. Going back, like you said, to the Green Bay Packers game, talk about that Denver Broncos game, talk about all the off-the-field issues with the defensive coordinator and running backs coach. There's been so many things swirling around. you got the quarterback, um, in the media saying, you know, think about the coaching staff and vice versa. And so there's been a lot of things that can kind of cause a, a president to kind of raise his eye and say, I don't like the direction this thing is headed in. And, you know, again, there's, there's, some, there's some opportunity left for them to kind of change the narrative on this season. If they do so, I think he may be more inclined to say, okay, Ryan Post, I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to keep kind of guiding this ship. And if you want to keep uh, Matty Bruce, then go right ahead. But if it doesn't turn itself around, then – I think he may say, "Okay, I gave you, I gave all y'all a chance, and I don't like it, and I'm not going to continue to allow it to go down that way." I came here to win a Super Bowl. He was, he was uh, unapologetic and unashamed in his approach in saying that. I think that's absolutely what he wants to do. And if he doesn't think they're moving in that direction, I don't think that he will be hesitant to pull the trigger and go in a different direction. And so, uh, I don't think he's made that decision yet. I think he's just kind of observing, seeing how things are going, letting people do their thing. But when the time calls, I don't think he'll hesitate to step in. Yeah, and you know, aside from the play on the field, two assistants gone in a matter of six weeks. You don't see that often. Yeah. Ryan Poles was a gref. I don't think I've had a chance to talk to you since the, the trade for Montez Sweat, who has now played in two games for the Bears. He was credited with three quarterback hits, eight pressures in the win over Carolina. I understand when you see a, a, an organization trade a top second-round pick and then give a guy basically a $100 million contract. You want to see immediate big-time splash plays production. But I thought overall Montez Sweat last night had a pretty solid game. Uh, what did you think of the trade, the contract, all of that, and what did you think of his play last night? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's a really good player. Um, I had a lot of concerns about him coming over, not, cause, not because – of the, the the contract or anything like that, I'm not I'm not really big into 
you know, counting these billionaires' money and claiming to save it. I'm pro player, so the more they can get, I'm fine with that. I understand the salary cap, you know, ramifications and all that, but there's ways to work around that if you want to find additional players. So I don't, I don't really ever get too caught up in that part of it. That being said, I had sincere concerns about the fact that he played with, you know, three other Pro Bowl caliber players on that defensive line in Washington, and that's not the situation he's walking into here in Chicago. And how would he adjust to being the main guy on every snap? He's going to be the guy that's going to be facing those double teams and those chips, those types of things. And, you know, could he still be productive in that area? And I think, you know, there's still, you know, legitimate concern about that. But I think what you're seeing early in terms of dividends is that he's opening up things for other guys. You saw Justin Jones get a sack last night. We've been waiting for Justin Jones, you know, seemingly for two years to kind of get going and be, you know, um, that star in the middle of this defense. The defense requires a dominant three technique, and Justin Jones has not been that to this point. He's been fine. He's been solid. But that, that, that position requires a difference maker at that position. And so, you know, you see Montez Sweat. I talked to him about this in the locker room after the – Panthers game, you know, and, and his ability to open things up, and he mentioned Justin Jones, and Justin Jones talked to him as well, and he mentioned Montez Sweat, um, just, you know, opening things up and how he's not getting so much attention, and that there's more space in the middle now because they are kind of sliding protections, and they're bringing tight ends out, and they're, you know, chipping with running backs and kicking the guards out, so I think he's been impactful in that way. I still look forward to him kind of making his own game-changing plays. I think he had a really, really good game against the Panthers in terms of you know, the pressures and the hurries and the, the hits. But, you know, he's got to kind of finish some of these plays and get those sacks and get some of those, you know, uh, TFLs and, you know, some strip sacks, those game-changing plays. You're talking about elite, elite players. You're talking about game-changing plays, not just playing, you know, a really good game or a solid game, but actually playing, making those game-changing plays. So I look forward to some of those things. I think he has that kind of ability. He's really big. He's really long. He's strong. He's athletic. And he hustles really, really hard. We saw that, you know, in the, in the New Orleans Saints game, we chased down the running back. And so uh, I like what I've seen from him, but I still want to see, you know, just more game-changing plays from him. And it's not so much, you know, about contract as it is the Bears need an elite player. And, you know, I hope he is that. Yeah, it's a big investment. And if Brian Poles wants to get this defense to an elite level, and I mean this with all due respect to Montez Sweat, but, like, like he can't be your best player on defense. You do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he like he is a good player. I think he's got a good solid addition to this defense. But like they need, especially on the front there, they need like elite pass rushers and wreckers at defensive tackle position, which they don't have right now. I I like the addition of Montez Sweat, but to expect him to be like this this game, I mean the guy doesn't has never had double digit sacks in his career. Right. Um. I I like the move. It's a guy you can you can. He's going to be here for a while, obviously, but they they are long. They have a long way to go to really making this an elite defense, in my opinion. And most of it has to do with the well, pass no, rush. I don't know, okay, because I mean they paid him like that, right? They, they, right, they, that's they what I mean. Like, okay, do they he's think going that... to be the best player on this defense? And I don't know if they think okay, he's a multiplier, and so we can get some other guys that are pretty good around him, but he should be the great player, and that's what, that's what I'm saying. He needs to be that type of player, that difference-making type of player who gets those strip sacks, who does those types of things. I don't know that he is that. I don't know that he right. is that, but they certainly need him to be. I guess I should reword it. Like he, he, They paid him like to be one of the best players in the defense. I guess what I'm saying is they've got to add a lot more pieces around him for him, for him to be as effective as, as he can be, in my opinion. Like I just think they they, have a, they still have a long way to go, and it's a bold move from sure. Ryan Poles, and it's a it's a huge investment investment 
into Montez Sweat. Herb, every day at WGN Radio, we do a, uh, we call it the sports click. It's just a daily sports question. People can go and vote on it. Um, it makes for some fun banter on the radio. But today, our sports click question is, who will be the Bears starting quarterback in 2024? And our options here are uh, Justin Fields, Tyson Bajink, Caleb Williams, and then two other options, another rookie quarterback or another veteran quarterback. What would you vote on if I sent you the WGN Radio Sports Click link? I would vote on Justin Fields. I'm on record. I'm a big believer in Justin Fields. I think he has all of the skill sets that you need to be an elite quarterback in this league. I think you need to continue to build around him. I think you need to tailor the game plan that's more suited uh, for the things that he does well, he's a, he's an extremely talented player, and I don't think I think that you can't win with him. That's more of an indictment on the coaching staff than it is on the player. I think he'll be a successful player in this league somewhere. I, I hope it's here in Chicago, and if it is, then not only do you have you solved that position, but then that allows you to use the draft capital and also you know the salary cap to address a lot of other positions, and that can improve on both sides of the ball, and that'll only help him be an even better version of himself. And so, ideally, Justin Fields goes out these next seven games, proves that he's the guy. He becomes your starter in 2024. You you, you pick up his fifth-year rookie option, so you got through 24 and 25. And then you start talking about a long-term extension thereafter. You also have, you know, the franchise tag and things like that available to you as well. And so, um, I, I, I would like to say that it would be Justin Fields because I think that's the best scenario for the franchise, and I think he's certainly capable of doing that. Herb, I think you and I have the exact same feeling on Justin Fields. I think there's just no way I, – I, I just would have a hard time believing that Justin Fields can have success in the NFL. You know, like I, right. I just – whether and if it's not with the Bears, that's just going to add another level of pain to Bears fans, right? Like if, if they do move on from him, if he's in the right situation, I think Justin Fields will absolutely find success in the NFL. And he has becomes like a pro bowler in like Atlanta right. or Arizona or something. Right. Maybe I'm done with the Bears. I'm done with them. I mean, from a fan perspective, I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll keep my job, but I'm <laughs> done with them in terms of, you know, being a fan and rooting for them. Because if you can't see that this kid has what it takes yes. and you can't find a way to, to, to bring that out of him and, and highlight things he does well, then that's a huge problem. If he goes somewhere and some other coaching staff is able to bring it out of him and he goes on to be a perennial pro bowl, I'm done with Right. Him. And that's my concern. Like, I get you've got a new regime here, and they didn't draft him. But like, come on! Like, I see you see the skill set that Justin Fields has. If he moves, if the Bears move on from Justin Fields, and another team signs him, and everything you just said, Herb, the team turns into a playoff team, and Fields finally comes into his own, and he's tearing it up. That is torture for Bears fans, right? Like, you let the first round pick walk out of Hallis Hall. So let's hope that doesn't happen. But it is the Bears, and it's. Definitely a possibility. Um, shout out to Kyler Gordon. I thought he had a fantastic game last night. His tackling was yeah. was clean. He seemed to be all over the field, and he seemed extra hyped in that game last night. I, I enjoyed watching Kyler Gordon play football last night. No, I, I enjoyed watching him play football last night. He was coming back off the injury. I had a chance to sit down with him uh, last week in, in, in the series of one-on-ones I've been doing. Um, you can find it on my Twitter page, but... Um, he was talking about coming back from that injury and it's kind of that it takes a little bit of time to get those small details, the instincts to kind of get back and be firing on all cylinders. And I think he's now starting to get that back and you can see him kind of 
you know, shooting in there and he's making those plays. You can see that Iberflus is using him in a lot of different ways. We saw him line up outside. Uh, he had a PBU deep down the field in a one-on-one coverage down the left sideline. Um, but we also saw him, you know, shooting into the backfield, making TFLs. He's all over the place. He has that that type of ability. He has those great instincts, those um, spider senses, if you will. He's a freakish, freakish athlete, and he loves the physicality. He loves to compete. Uh, Kyler Gordon's one of my favorite players on this team. It's nice to see him, you know, getting back healthy and, and flying around out there making plays. I remember back all the way at training camp watching uh, practice with you, Herb, and it was the day Kyler Gordon was just tearing it up, and they were using him in all different sorts of ways, and we were both like, all right, that was a, that was a day for Kyler Gordon, and uh, obviously the injury kind of derailed things, but I think they've got something in Kyler Gordon, so we'll see how that plays out. He is Herb yeah. Howard, Chicago Bears beat reporter for the Bigs. Follow him on Twitter, at Herb Howard 411 those one-on-one interviews are great, by the way, Herb. So if people do want to watch your Twitter page, is the uh, the best way to watch those? Yeah, they can get they can, they can find the link on my Twitter page. The full videos are on the big YouTube page. It's the Bigs Media YouTube page. You can find all the all the one-on-ones we've done this season. We sat down with uh, Justin Fields, Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, DJ Moore, uh, Cole Komet, and and now Kyler Gordon. And they've all been really really cool interviews. Get a little bit of a peek. Uh, behind the player and who they are off the field, uh, have some fun with them. We talk ball for sure, but we have some fun with them uh, about some of those conversations. So definitely check those out on the big media YouTube page. Check it out. That's Herb Howard. Herb, always appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, KP. Thanks for having me, man. All right, thanks again to Herb Howard for joining me on the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Got a a weekend off from Chicago Bears football until they visit Detroit on the 19th. Then they've got a Monday nighter at Minnesota before they return home again December 10th against the Lions. Thanks to Herb. Thanks to Ernie Scatton for his help producing the podcast. And thanks to Brian Altimer as well. And thank you to our sponsor, ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Justin Fields Drives. This was episode 75 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast.